we're really excited to be back doing another live show with the great people at Nighthawk. Like, thank you so much to them. Like, it's really exciting for us to do this. We're going to be at Nighthawk Williamsburg this time talking about the 30th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's on Sunday, July 31st. It's at 11.15 a.m. Is that right? Come have brunch. Come have brunch. Come I think there's brunch. probably going to be a Bloody Mary. Oh, my God. Fantastic. There'll be some <laughs> eggs. Transylvanian. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be really interesting um, because, of course... It's a movie that a lot of people have a lot of affection for. I have a lot of affection for, but also you can't talk about it without talking about like the way Joss Whedon came to like dominate the universe and then was revealed to be a terrible person and has been knocked off his perch. It's like a very complicated so thing to talk about. I don't know if I have a lot of affection for it. Movie. See, this is the I thing. definitely don't have a lot of affection for the show. Ricky is going to be the heel at this. Cause okay. Just picture this. We're doing a 30th anniversary screening of Buffy, the vampire slayer at brunch. So the people that are going to be coming are going to be fans of the, of the, of the property. And Ricky, like you heard this motherfucker. He just said, I don't have any affection for this. <laughs> Which is like, it's going to be really fun. Like, I hope we people will like boo us. Like, I think that would fucking rule. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, anyway, come out and be on our side. I mean, maybe I'll be a coward and I'll be like talking about how it's good. And Ricky can like be the counterpoint. I think that'll be a good dynamic. So like, we're going to do that. See you guys in a couple weeks at Nighthawk. <laughs>
Damon Wayans basically blew up from In Living Color in the early 90s. He got The Last Boy Scout, and then, then this was his big shot. It's an action comedy about a couple con men in Chicago. Though I don't even think the city gets named, both either no, both visually, right? No, and, you, and I, 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 I thought it thought, was in New York until I read about it afterwards, and I was like, oh, it's in Chicago. Yeah, so did I. I mean, I've, I used to watch this movie probably every day when I was a little kid. I had it on tape for some reason. I think I, I think I bought a VHS of it used, you know, at the video store. This is the like kind one of, of those VHS things... that was you could buy used at the video store. A hundred percent, yes. I have seen that a hundred yeah, times and, in my life. Yeah, and I loved in living. I was like eight, and I loved in living color. And so I, I bought this tape, and I would just watch it all the time. And so weird. it was on Amazon. It was on Amazon like a year ago. And I was like, oh, fuck, Mo Money. I, I, I used to love this movie. I'm going to put it on. And I couldn't really remember anything about it. And as soon as it started, I knew every line. <laughs> <laughs> like, total, like total sense memory. That's I knew so every God, line man. of this dumbass movie. Um, and so watching it today, uh, again, I knew uh, every line of the movie. There were so many that were so specific like to me as a little kid as well, because they didn't really make sense to me at the time. Like there's the moment where Marlon Wayans tells the white cop that he smells like all white people are the same to him. They smell like baloney. And I distinctly remember hearing that line and like being like, mom, do I smell like baloney? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there, there was, there was that line. There was always, Oh, there was Keith Henning told me that joke. For some reason, that always stuck with me as a little kid. When this is Marlon like, that's like the kind of embarrassing of the... shit you like say to your friends, as like you're like it's like to you it's a reference, and they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, I mean, which I still do to this day, not with Mo Money, but with many other things. <laughs> in fact, I'll tell. Uh, in terms of like being like a pop culture obsessed kid who embarrassed himself. Because of that, quick story, in my In Living Color phase in third grade, I loved In Living Color so much. And it was, I believe, the the election between um, George Bush, Ross Perot, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, Bill uh, and Bill Clinton. Yeah, the one who won. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm and, the one. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein's friend, Perot, you know, Bill Clinton, yeah. <laughs> and Ross Perot was so famous at the time. So he, you know, people did impressions of him, but specifically Jim Carrey on In Living Color did an impression of Ross Perot that I thought was so funny. And I would do it around the house and my parents thought it was really funny when I did it. And like family, other family and friends thought it was really funny because I was an 11 year old kid walking around the house doing an yeah, impression right. of, a, you know, of Ross Perot. And I was going, vote for me, vote for me or whatever it was. And so I went to school and I asked if I could do my impression oh in my front of God. the class. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I, 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 I got down on my knees behind a desk to make it look like I was short. <laughs> I propped, I, I, I propped my ears out like Ross Perot. Right. Cause he had big ears. Right. And yes, I, I know. Just, yeah. And I started just yelling, you know, Vote for me. Don't vote for me. I don't know. Vote for me. Ah, like whatever the lines were that Jim Carrey did at the time on *In Living Color*. Fucking, rightfully crickets. <laughs> oh my dude, that's like pretty fucked. Because usually in school, like just doing a funny voice will make everybody crack up laughing. So like, it must have been so confusing to them. <laughs> It was, it was, I think it was mostly confusing because they didn't, like, why was I doing this? <laughs> right. So did you, like, ask the the teacher, were you like, after the yeah, lesson, I, like, can I, I please I, have a little bit yeah. of stage time? Like, you're like, hey, teacher, you got to let me on tonight. I got a new bit. Like, I'm going to, let me work yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, I asked for stage time, basically, for my third grade <laughs> class. But, you know, the teacher had to, like, settle everyone down. And I stood up and... Oh That's definitely down. what you want to be going on right before you do your comedy as a child is for the teacher to make everyone settle down. <laughs> you know, like, totally sets the just, mood properly. And I just specifically remember this one girl, Christy Nardowitz, 
who gave me this the shittiest look like she was just like what a fucking loser what is this guy doing and she would bring it up all the time in high school oh my god fucking oh my god. 10 years later that's like a hate no, crime five years that's later not... <laughs> yeah five years later she would be like in, with with other people i'm like remember that time you did blah 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 and i'm like please stop please stop and she's like, no no it was so weird you were so <laughs> random oh my god oh my god that yeah. i would fucking die yeah i would die that was all due to the influence of an in, in living color thankfully i didn't do any marlon wayne's impressions <laughs> because oh all of those oh my god would have been extremely offensive <laughs> so i mean this is like but this is the crazy thing about this movie so yeah you sent me a great text today can i read the text that you or do you want to read it no, you can read it. Okay. Um, talking about this movie, he said, um, 1992, check out this comedian, Damon Wayans. He has so many characters. Characters like filthy bum, fag, stupid immigrant, retard, Uncle Tom, and so many more. <laughs> but that is basically why he got the movie, is that he did all that on In Living Color. And it was so wildly popular that they were like, "Do that in a movie." <laughs> can I, can I tell you, I the in terms of those those characters, right? Yes, they're offensive, but I do find the the moment in the beginning where the where the the hobo says um, the the guy says it smells like it smells like fucking shit in here or something like that, and uh, the hobo says. Oh, that's the dead guy next door. He died on the toilet. They haven't wiped his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a funny line. That's good. I liked I in that scene think... where um so it's like I have a quibble with this scene because Damon Wayans is acting like a crackhead. But he's doing heroin. But there's a great point where he's like starting to do the heroin and the guy's like, What and he's got the spoonful of heroin and he's got the lighter out and the guy's like, What the fuck are you doing? And he goes, It's time for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> We can go through all these in a second. We should actually set up what the movies yeah, are. So please. Mo Money uh, is uh, Damon and Marlon Wayans are brothers as they are in real life. And they're a couple of con artists living in, and like, you know, um, sort of harmless con artist criminals, um, petty criminals living in, in, in a city. And uh, eventually Damon Wayans meets a girl who makes him want to get a white collar job. And he very easily gets this white collar job in the mailroom, and uh, he's sort of swept into a uh, credit card identity theft scheme that uh, turns pretty violent. Um, and that's pretty much it. But like all the way through, the majority of the scenes are uh, excuses to have like um, either Damon Wayans do a character that's pretty mean spirited, yeah, or yeah. another or, or another actor do a character that's pretty mean spirited, in terms of how the movie is making fun of them. That said, I, I still think it's got a few laughs in it, um, and, <laughs> and 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 I enjoy it for for those laughs. Maybe it's just because I know it by heart. But the scene that we're describing right now is the opening scene of the movie, and it is. Um, there, Marlon and and Damon Wayans are trying to sell a stolen TV to a random white guy, and um, there's nothing in the in the in the Panasonic box that they hand him. But they need him to get out of the apartment fast. So Damon Wayans, as a homeless man who stole the TV, pretends to OD on heroin in front of them so that they can kick him out. There's a number of schemes kind of like that in the movie, all revolve around some offensively stereotypical, um, you know oppressed person that Damon Wayans is mocking. Yeah, all sorts of vulnerable people at the periphery of society that Damon Wayans is like, look at this fucking idiot, <laughs> you know? Like... But I will say it it is, I don't think the movie is aware of this, but it is fascinating that the way, and it's not aware of it because there are a number of other scenes about vulnerable people who don't, act, that where it, it doesn't actually do this, but the ones where they're doing a con of some kind, it is often about how they can only get away with it because the other person is kind of terrified of that vulnerable person. 
right? Like the guy right, is right. terrified of this homeless man who's Odin. He doesn't the, want to be around him. He doesn't want to help store him. thing, like where they're pretending they're doing their like, you know, his gay character that, you know, that he did for the um, movie review show, right? Um, he's doing that same character basically. And they're like sneezing the, before they even come into the scene, the people are talking about AIDS and in, in the scene, these two white people. And then they show up as these gay characters and they're sneezing all over them. And like the implication is that, you know, he's afraid they have AIDS. Right. And like, this is how they're conning him and how they get it. They, he asked for their ID and they just start sneezing on him more. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, get out of here. You know? Yeah. I mean, and then at the, and then on top of that, there's the, um, there's this scene with the taxi driver that they try to steal money from where he's pretending to be an immigrant and the guy, the taxi driver's trying to rip him off and it's like, you're a fucking immigrant. Get out of here. Like, right. Or the scene where they one, go into the could... bodega, you know, and they're, they steal a sandwich by having Damon Wayans like smash up everything in the store while he's pretending to be. <laughs> I don't know if that one actually, I was not going to include that one because I don't know if it actually works. No, but it's just because they're being annoying and oh. like kind of scary and weird and he wants them to leave, but, you know. But the guy actually says, he does say to him, um, Marlon Wayne's is saying, please, my brother needs help. My brother needs help while Damon Wayne's is pretending that he's disabled. And and the guy goes, I don't give a fuck what he needs. I hope he dies in the street like a dog. Yes, exactly. So there is this like inherent cruelty of others that they're playing off of in their like when they're portraying the like people from a vulnerable population. Is the movie aware of that? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think the movie's I think the movie's getting laugh. It's 1992, and the movie's getting laughs off of Damon Wayne's doing an impression of a handicapped person. Yeah, just and it's this scene is especially great because it's it it is immediately after he has walked out of this job interview where he lies, but he's like he's trying so he's trying to lie to stalk this woman uh, so he can make her have sex with him, you know, uh, and that's like the plot. But he's also at the same time, like he's trying to get his life together. There's the, there's a police officer who is kind of a father figure to him, who's been encouraging him to get his life together. So even though he's, it's all a scam, it's kind of like he's trying to get his life together. And he walks out and he's like, "Hey, you know, I really think I, I, I think I got this job. I think this guy really liked me. You know, I, I think it's like it's gonna happen." And his brother, Marlon Wayans, is like, "You know, what are you talking about? Fuck you!" And he's like, "No, no, no. You know, I think you know." Or Marlon doesn't Marlon Wayne say like a job's nothing but work, which is like a pretty good line also. But then yeah. like they go like, okay, let's go get lunch. Smash cut to them, and he's Damon Wayans is just smashing eggs against his forehead and walking around, literally going duh duh duh. Me 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 me. He's going me. He's going me 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 me. And he's like throwing bread everywhere. He doesn't even look. He's not. And you're like the the Honestly, second before he's like I think I finally got my life together and it's like I mean come on though like it's a, it's pretty the impression is kind of funny me, me, oh me, my me. god like, it's, Ricky <laughs> it's pretty funny you, so you found like, this to this, be funny you found this to be funny and I found this scene funny where he's talking to the cab driver and he's pretending to be. I don't know where he's pretend like Eritrean. I don't know where he's Indian. Yeah, I don't know, but he's like the the cab driver is like, let me guess, you're not from around here, and he's like, oh, did my bald head give me away? (laughs) Then he goes, (laughs) and then he goes, how how much to take me around? And the cab driver's like, for you, two hundred dollars. I won't even turn the meeting the meter on. And Damon Wayans is like, two hundred dollars. Oh, me no no hi, me no no no. Excuse me, maybe you can help me. I need to get to 33rd Street and 3rd Avenue. Let me take a wild guess. You're not from around here. Did my boy head give me away? Well, you just pop in there. I'll whiz you on over there. 50 bucks, I won't even turn on the meter. $50? I don't have no money right now. What am I talking I to you mean... for, you fucking immigrant? But wait, excuse me. Hello. Excuse me, mister. I got to go get that money. I laugh at so these are examples of parts of the movie you liked. <laughs> I don't know. I like. Oh I'm God. well aware how offensive they're, but I feel like if you if you grew up watching in Living Color like I did, it's it's like hard not to. It's, it's like muscle memory. It's hard not to laugh at, at that. And there is something interesting. I'm well about aware of how offensive it is. Like in this scene where he's he is doing an Indian accent and he's pretending to be Indian, but it's like 
he just looks like Damon Wayans. Like they haven't done anything to like make him look like an Indian person or something like that. He just walks up, you know, looking exactly like Damon Wayans and just is like talking in an Indian accent, like an extremely broad, like offensive Indian accent. So in in a way it kind of makes it less offensive because you, you have to be like, well, okay. An Indian person can look like anything, I guess, you know, like it doesn't have to like, why can't Damon Wayans be an Indian guy? I guess he could be, I don't know, you know, but at the same time it's also like so fucking fucked up and offensive like everything about everything i mean this is like the conversation to have about this movie i think is like i think it, it puts you in a very interesting headspace because it's like can a black man write and produce a movie that is like the most racist thing that's ever been on film like is that possible but i guess it's not like racist it's more like making fun of gay people, making fun of foreigners, making fun of homosexuals. But I feel like there are characters that are racist. Like that guy that he meets in the jail that's like wearing a big gold chain and he's talking about how he's like broke his sister's neck and he's like, I don't give a fuck. Oh yeah, okay. Well, You know, that's a racist character, I think. The jail sequence is actually my, like, uh, I think the funniest stuff in the movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the the guy so the, so the guy like Damon Wayans gets uh arrested he's he's in lockup and i love in movies where like lockup is portrayed like a maximum security prison where men have been there for like 30 years and they're ready to like rape right yeah. like like lockup is like a bunch of people hanging out waiting for arraignment and sometimes you can be hanging out for a couple days and it fucking sucks and you're a psychotic but like it's not it's you're not like it's it's not like a like like people checking you out needing to get like laid in prison or something it's just not you know you're in a fucking holding cell in a precinct basically um but like damon waynes is talking to this psychotic guy who's talking about beating the shit out of his sister and threatening to kill his mother too and he's telling the story. I believe the way he puts it. Like, oh, no, please go ahead. I don't want to step on your. No, wait, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the way he puts it is to tap two for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm choking the bitch. I'm choking. I'm, I'm choking. She's turning red. She's like, Mom's yelling at me. Stop. That's your sister. And I'm like, bitch, I'll choke you, too. Two for one, pop pow. <laughs> but the guy who's doing it, I have to. I, I want to figure out who it is really fast because he's uh, he's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the stuff I like, says Ricky. <laughs> I, There's also I, a great part he's... in this scene where a guy is taking a shit in the middle of the room, and people keep talking about how bad his shit stinks, and he needs he doesn't have any he doesn't have any toilet paper, and he goes like, "Give me some newspaper," and somebody goes, "You need the fucking Sunday Times." <laughs> and then later on, in the middle of this scene where this guy is talking about choking out his his sister, he's wearing this big hat, and just in the middle of the scene, it cuts to the guy in the toilet, and he goes, "Hey, you using that hat?" Uh, no, I don't know who that is. I don't know how you could possibly find. I don't know what he would be credited as in the. Oh, man, I wish I knew. He's he's got to be some guy who was making the like. I bet you could find him in a ton of Martin episodes yeah. or something, like a Robert or Townsend movie one. or something. You know. Yeah. Um, but he's a funny performer. I you know the scene is fucked, but he's a funny performer. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely um, doing the best he can with the material. And then there's a second scene where we see his sister is not dead and she's alive. Uh, and he's in court. And it's, like, kind of funny. This is another, yeah, his, like, Damon Wayans has this lawyer that's, like, a, a reverend. Like, the, the other guy, the guy from the pop-pop, he calls her, he calls him, uh, oh, I want Reverend Pimp Daddy to be my lawyer, too. <laughs> you didn't think that Reverend Pimp Daddy was funny? I mean, I thought it accurately described the character as it was performed, but I didn't think it was like funny it's good, necessarily. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a good bit. Marlon tells Marlon tells Damon that he got him a lawyer and says he's the best in he says he's the best in town, and then he pauses and says, For the money. And then it cuts to a a reverend 
going, Your Honor, allow me to please the core. <laughs> it's a good joke. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't Again, know if it I, is. Like, you're dealing you're dealing with someone who I have I can't tell. I I just used to watch it so much. There's like there's a muscle memory for laughter on it and it and it is as deeply offensive as the movie is and kind of hateful at times. I find it warm <laughs> because I used to watch it so well, much. You just remember like you're drinking soda and eating Doritos and it's three forty five and you're watching Mo Money for the hundredth time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um Yeah. I mean I definitely I have movies like that. Of course. Yeah. This is not one of them, but I have movies like that. But it's interesting. I mean, to me, I was thinking about because I I have lots of movies that from this time period that are comedies like this, and I to me, I kept thinking like, it's so interesting to think how like this movie doesn't work to me for for whatever reason. Like, you know, none of the scenes make sense together. Like the the plot is completely insane. Like the characters are all hateful and the jokes are all mean. And um, but I was like, but. Are, are the other things I like like that or, and if they're not like, it's pretty crazy that they're not, you know, things like half baked Tommy boy, um, black sheep, happy Gilmore. I mean, even like a, you know, like a my, Wayne's world, right. This, this is essentially what Wayne's world is. You know, it's like Damon Wayne's was yeah. absolutely huge on in living color. 1991 is the most popular the show ever was. It's huge. It, it gets like at the, you know, this is only the people's choice awards, but they were like, kind of new at the time. And I think people still cared about them a little bit. It's like tied with the Simpsons for best new show, which is also weird that they have a tie in the people's choice awards, but I guess that's what the voting said, you know? I so like, I didn't even know that they had a people's choice awards. Then I didn't know that there were that, that award shows were the business that they are now. Then I thought there was like the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Tonys, no, this it. is like when they used to have like the cable ace awards and stuff like that. Like there were like even oh, more right. award shows because people took them seriously. So you could just be like, we're doing an award show. And they would be like, well, of course we have to put that on television. That sounds very important. <laughs> <laughs> all the big, all the, all the big timers will be there. I mean, exactly. If you're honoring the stars of the Simpsons, of course we'll all be there in person. I feel like there's one thing that we haven't, uh, we keep talking about the movie being mean, uh, spirited, but I think it's it's less mean spirited to the people that Damon Wayans is doing impressions of than it is to certain people in yes. the movie. Like that, other like, characters come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. There's two in there's two specifically in the sequence where Damon Wayans um, goes to get goes to a job interview, and he's sitting outside the interviewer's office, and he meets mm. a woman who has anxiety and a weight problem. And talks about how uh, she has anxiety and a weight problem and bulimia. And that is played for laughs. It is played like he is looking at a person that is crazy and weird and needs to get out of his face. Yeah. And then the man that he goes to interview, or the man that, that, he, that interviews him for the job has a twitch that Damon Wayans just starts doing in the office. Now, the, the, I will say the, the, the slight sort of leeway that I'll give this movie is that it's 1992 and the humor of, which is still pretty successful of white people. So crazy. Yeah. Right. Is yeah. like pretty prevalent. I mean, this and is like the those, moment for like white people be like this, black people be like this comedy. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and like, it, it, and I feel like those bits maybe worked at the time because, because of that. But watching it now, specifically uh, the woman who like opens up about her bulimia and that's played for like, wow, what a loser is like really vicious. <laughs> I'm like, and not in like a Todd Salon's kind of way where you're, you know, the viciousness is the point and you're being point, you're being like, it's being pointed out in a salient way. It's like, no, Damon Wayne hates people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably like based on a real woman who tried to talk to him once. And he was like, bitch, get away from me. What are you talking about? Some fat woman wants yes. to talk to me about her life. Like, I don't give a fuck about you, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, wouldn't that be funny that... to put in the movie? <laughs> yeah. And and then there's a woman who works 
with yes. with um, Damon Wayne's character. Her name is Charlotte. She's played by uh, Alma Vaughn. Um, she uh, has had a long career. She's still doing stuff. Um, I, she was in. She did a couple episodes of In Living Color, Living Color, where she played Lawanda. Um, I remember that character. She did some Jamie Foxx show, some Martin. But the whole joke about her is that she's ugly. It's the whole joke. She's ugly and she's annoying, you know? And, like, yeah. my thing, whole thing about her character was, like, so the Damon Wayans lies his way to get a job at the firm where he saw this hot lady on the street where this is actually a really funny scene. We haven't talked about where he's selling books on the street because he's trying to clean up his life selling books on the street, but he seems to be selling children's books. Like, and they say at one point they're children's books and the Stacy uh, dash picks up one of the books and she's like, this is a really great book. You should read it sometime. And it's like, it was very weird. It's she's a fucking a book. children's book. It's like a foot square also. And obviously like five pages, you know? And it's like, they have a whole flirty scene talking about th- why the book is good. Which is like very weird. But anyway, he follows her to her work and he flies to get a job there. And then he's harassing her. He keeps coming up to her and he's like sitting on her desk. And she's like, please don't sit on my desk. Please leave me alone. What are you doing here? Like, you need to get out of here. And he just keeps pressing and pressing and pressing. And of course, because it's a movie from 1992, they end up like fucking and she's in love with him. But like the whole time. Wait, this... wait, wait, you're missing the creepiest line that he says to her, which is that when he finds out she has a boyfriend oh my God. and she's like, that's my boyfriend. Like, don't you want to don't you want to go away or something like that? He goes, don't worry. He's just temporary. I got plans for me and you, which is like. Are you going to murder her? It's so, Ricky, I think you mean to say it's so romantic. It's so romantic. But right. Then, like in 1992, it's like he's driven. He oh, likes he, her. <laughs> he won't take no for an answer. I mean, I was literally thinking yeah. this is the kind of like messaging that has like fucked up a whole generation of, of people with seeing stuff like this in a movie. It's like you see a hot girl and she's of course she's going to tell you no a thousand times. She's going to say, please leave me alone. Why are you here? Don't sit on my desk. I have work to do. I'm in a relationship. I don't want to talk to you. And you just got to push through that. <laughs> you know, like, um, which is really bad. But like the entire time this is going on, this other woman uh, that you were talking about is flirting with him in exactly the same way. But the movie doesn't seem to like make that connection in, in any way. Even when the scenes are like directly back to back where it's it's just, it's played like, this ugly woman needs to leave me alone so I can talk to the hot woman. But like, as a viewer, I was like, is he going to learn any lessons about like how he's being treated in a way he doesn't like, and he's treating another person exactly (laughs) the same way, (laughs) you know, like, no, no, that is not what is happening in this movie. No, no. What he does is he, um, sets up his brother with the quote unquote ugly woman. His brother gets drunk and uh, when his brother decides to go home with the woman, he makes fun of his brother in front of the woman for going yeah. home with her because she's ugly. And then in the morning when his brother wakes up next to her, he pretends that there's a fire and kicks her out of the apartment naked and tells her to get a cab. No, he throws first. He kicks her out naked and she says, how am I supposed to get home? And he th- get, throws some money and she goes, two dollars. And he goes, take the train. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like the impressions to me aren't as mean in the movie, maybe just because they're juxtaposed with those, like their response, their like really mean treatment of actual other people, because the impressions are often are kind of about how like being a vulnerable person will like, you know, like people will be scared and try to and do anything they can to get you away faster. Um, or rip you off. But it is the other stuff is like he's just it's just like like really mean. <laughs> it is interesting because you have to say, I mean, the fact that you would make a movie where all of the characters that the main character is doing an impression of and all the ancillary characters are like, you know, versions of genuine people that it are, you know, marginal people that exist. Like even when they're being punched down on, it's kind of like 
well, this is coming from somebody who has actually met people like this. And he has complicated reactions to them where like some people, it's like he feels like he can inhabit and he identifies with them. And and the movie is kind of about how like those people are frowned upon and, and you know, the society is like hates them, you know, even for no reason. But then it's like other people that he has met, of course, like he's like, fuck that. That person sucks. I'm nothing like them. Like they're a piece of shit. They're worthless and I'm good. And it's like, those people are also in the movie, you know, like, I mean, can we talk about how, uh, all of his impressions, he's an adult man doing these impressions. These are all impressions that you do as a nine-year-old in the schoolyard. Yes. Yeah. Just doing like a really silly foreign guy accent doing a really silly yeah. like gay person accent voice you know doing I mean, like pretending to be like a crack like a bum you, you know like but then yeah. maybe maybe those were things we did in the schoolyard when we were nine because in living color was on because tv of... you know yeah that's true it's possible it's quite possible can we talk about the um the the climax of the movie the ending yes please yes please oh actually two things there's there's before the climax, there's the scene where uh, Chris is killed, the other guy who works in the mailroom who's oh stabbed God, yeah. on the subway platform while the bongos are getting played. I actually like that sequence. I loved it when I was a little kid. I thought that sequence was so cool. Subways, bongos, panhandling, stabbings. I thought that was the shit. It's life that. in the big city, um, man. That's life in the big city. Yeah, it's probably why I moved to New York. Still have not experienced <laughs> that. Ricky, I um, hope you moved to New York because of mo money right which isn't even shot in new york (laughs) when i first moved to new york people were like i moved here for the ramones and 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 mars bar and i'm like i moved here for the movie mo money (laughs) (laughs) um but the scene but um i just like that sequence on the train with the bongos and the stabbing i think it's just like a it's not very it's not particularly well done or cut but i like the idea um and then at the end, so Damon Wayans decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. The guy who runs the scam is a psychopath, uh, wonderfully played by John Deal, who uh, is also the vi- the villain in Vice Squad, which is an actual good movie with Wings Hauser. Highly recommend. But John Deal plays a great psychopath, and um, he ends up getting into um, car chases and shootouts with Damon Wayans and Marlon Wayans and, and the cop who has been friends with, Oh, we forgot that part. The cop. We'll get, oh, yeah. we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. yeah. But um, the one thing that I noticed in this scene is like, so Marlon gets arrested and he says that he knows a guy who does credit card schemes and it's a separate cops who have nothing to do with the Wayans brothers. And he will wear a wire and he'll go try to get this guy on tape. So he goes to John Deal and he says, uh, you know, he tries to get him on tape for this credit card scheme. John Deal pretty much recognizes right away that he's being set up and that Marlon Wayans is wearing a wire. And instead of walking away from that, he kidnaps Marlon Wayans, <laughs> which at a certain point through the rest of the climax of the movie, I kept thinking to myself, why is this guy doing this? Like, does he want to get caught? Like he could very easily walk away from all of this. Like this isn't, this doesn't have to go down like this. And it is, they immediately play it as like, he's too smart to get trapped by this. So he's just like taking off and not, has nothing to do with it. And that is how the scene plays out. But then it's like, for no reason he then, and you might think like, okay, he's going to kill him, you know, to like send a message, but he doesn't kill him. He kidnaps him in order to like get his brother to do something it's like it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense at all right and it just doesn't have to it doesn't have to happen like i know john deal at one point says i don't like to be set up okay that's not enough to then you know get yourself on tape kidnapping somebody the action and then elements, he's just driving around the street killing. The action elements of this movie don't add up at all. I mean, I would say even no. like, I know you've seen the movie a lot, so maybe you know this answer and I don't, but like the beginning of the movie is this kind of, it's like nighttime or underneath an overpass and there's a, like a car, you know, he's, these cars go past him and he's like, ah, oh, these sons of bitches. And then they have, they like block him off and another car runs and this giant truck runs into him and they, he's, 
thugs come in and snap the guy's neck and steal something out of his briefcase and leave. Okay. And you're like, oh, interesting. Like, oh, we're like, wait, what's what's going on? Like, who did the heist? Why? Why did they do it? What is it? Like, what the fuck did they steal, Ricky? I know they talk later about how there's like a computer. Like, does that have like what the fuck was that? Like, what the fuck was the fucking tape that they stole? Like, I don't think they ever address it ever, but it is. Oh, right. Get the fucking tapes. What is, what is it? What is it? To do what? They don't never, they literally never say. You know that, and I was thinking about this while I was watching, that whole sequence would have been better if they just killed the guy without showing, like, uh, without showing John Deal's face. Right, because then you know right away, like, the first time you see him, that, like, he's the bad guy, and, like, you know yeah. exactly how it's going to play out, you know? Yeah, it was very weird. Totally was- unnecessary. Like, they could have just got this guy in a car accident and driven away. Yeah, or like, you know, or have it be something that matters for the movie. And like, maybe that kind of thing comes up again. And we're like, oh, wow, we know he's really serious about the tapes or whatever. But like, no, that doesn't happen. I I did like that the final set piece is in a like municipal salt deposit, which I feel like you don't you don't see very often and i mean right props to the movie it ends with a black man lynching a white man like that's pretty cool i mean that is cool you know with his silhouette of his body hanging there you know amongst all this salt which is white (laughs) cut cut to the hospital room where they trick marlon waynes once again with the fugly woman god i know that's the movie that's the note the movie wants to go out on that's and then the it does end of the movie. Both him and his girlfriend Stacy Dash are like, "Ha ha, here's your ugly girlfriend." <laughs> she it's cares really about you brutal. and she's ugly. <laughs> and then um, it, it does cut then to a freeze frame of the two of them with their shirts tied in a knot. Um and it goes, "Mo money, mo money, mo money." best things in life are free you can always have them with the birds and bees hey, you know ricky this movie um, marked the soundtrack debut of jimmy jam and terry lewis so like ooh, really yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna yeah. probably listen to some of those songs i love that new jack swing sound baby ricky do you want to do the questions right now uh, let's do the questions right now wait i want to talk about one more part in the movie um we'll just make so it your answer to one of the things no, it's definitely not my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of how like odd the odd tone of this movie is and like who it's being means so like sure, okay, we're we're saying that maybe Damon Waynes is doing impressions of the marginalized and the joke is really on the people who end up getting conned because they just don't want to be near the marginalized in some way. But there's a cop character in the movie who's a family friend of Damon and Marlon Waynes' character. And he looks out for them. And he's a good cop. He's a good guy. Right? That's how we meet him. And he's trying to solve the case of who's killing these guys from the mailroom. Uh, you know? And he, he's he's a sweetheart cop. Whole movie you see him. He's a sweetheart. He's a, he's a good guy. And then for no reason whatsoever, there's a scene of him going into his office in the precinct. And there's a woman, a, a sex worker who's getting um, arrested and she says to the cop arresting her, what you wouldn't, um, I wouldn't give you a freebie. So you bust me. You used to be my best customer. And then she calls him um, a bald headed, flat footed faggot. And the guy who is supposed to be like a cop that we like walks off out of his office, points into the sex worker's face and says, get that fucking whore away from my office and that's the end of the scene yeah he didn't have to do that he didn't have to do that she didn't have to be there the scene didn't have to exist (laughs) nothing about it is with purpose in the movie yeah at all necessary doesn't relate to anything it's just well we're just i think but the thing is that's crazy is i think this is supposed to be showing that he's a good guy and a no-nonsense guy because here you got this hooker and her cop boyfriend and as he's leading her off he's going look what you did you got me in all this trouble come on what's the matter with you 
like, you know, so obviously she is telling the truth that they all have our relationship, but it's like, cause you're supposed to, so think, that's what you think it is. That he, yeah. Yeah. I think you're supposed to think like think the cop, is. he's being like, I don't have time to play games with you people. You know, like I'm a serious cop and I'm trying to do good stuff. But like here, the way right, he does right, that is right. by putting his finger in a woman's face and going, get that fucking whore away from my office, which is like, oh, yeah. I mean, the treatment of women in this movie top to bottom is pretty fucked. Like, you got to say there isn't a single like normal woman in the whole movie. I mean, Stacey Dash does an amazing job. She's very hot, but like her part is to be a hot lady. She doesn't have a lot of depth, you know, beyond that, at least not like as written. I think she's like bringing some stuff to the performance obviously she's a good actress i don't think she brings shit like and, and it's not necessarily her fault but come on she doesn't really bring anything to the performance i think she's the way that you know i think it's like she has the thing that like uh, you know she can like look at the camera and like oh she's, you know she, she she's got she's got that great moment where it cuts to her in the office and <laughs> she's handing someone a file and she goes i needed this by thursday get it to me and then she walks away and she goes, are you almost done with those reports? I need those. <laughs> and it goes to her chest. Like they don't even try to give her lines that are like in any way detailed. They're just like. Well, yeah, because they set her up. They have her go like, I manage this department. And then she's like, give yeah. me a business. I need more numbers. Where's the quarterlies? And then like. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um. All right, so do you want to do the... Let's fucking um, do it, bro. Do you want to do the... Okay, so at the end of the um, episode, you know, we do three questions. We should probably do more or come up with other questions. Some a conversation that we should have at some point. Um, yeah, sure, we, we, there's, lots, there's lots of conversations that we should have that we don't have because it's easier to just coast, right? Hey, um, I think what you could say yeah. is we got a tried and true format that the audience loves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um the first question is you know very simple what was your favorite part oh man i don't know bro like you really hated this is this is this one of your least favorite movies that we've watched you know it it wasn't and i'll tell you why which is that it was only 90 minutes and it goes down easy like it is an easy movie to watch i could see watching this movie on vhs as a child like over and over and over again because it just like it has this thing too i think a movie for you to rewatch it a lot I think it helps if it doesn't like a hundred percent make sense. And if you don't have to, you don't have to pay attention to it a hundred percent. You know, it's like, there's mm-hmm. just like some funny things happen every like five or 10 minutes. And then the stuff that's in between is kind of like, you're like, what? I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Like, why are they there? I don't know. Who cares? Like he's doing this funny voice right now. Um, so for that reason, I, I didn't mind watching it at all. Um, and I actually like took a sick day from work today and I just laid in bed in the air conditioning and watched this movie. And it was actually pretty nice. I had a really nice time watching it except every, except going like, Oh my God, is he, he now he's doing this gay guy stuff. Like, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> what did I like? I liked the, um, I like, I, I like the chase. There's a foot chase in a mall where Marlon Wayans gets arrested. He's trying to use the credit cards that they've been doing this whole time. And he gets caught and so he throws like a um like a display stand through a window and then there's like a foot race through a mall and it doesn't it doesn't go very far like you could see this being like a huge fun set piece but it only lasts maybe like a minute or 30 seconds but like it's pretty well done and it's like a fun thing to do it's like a fun idea of where to set that scene i think um and then there's a guy who like crashes a guy in a cat foot cast who in a wheelchair who crashes into the mall railing yeah, yeah, good. Pretty I laughed. Sure I laughed when that happened. When yeah. his foot he in goes, a cast, ah! he's it's classic, classic ah! like airplane level stuff. He's in a wheelchair and yeah. he's got his legs sticking out front and it's in a cast. And wouldn't you know it, brother, he knocks his foot into something and he goes, Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And speaking of that kind of shit, honestly, another thing that genuinely made me laugh is in that in the first scene, there's a thing where he has a fight with a guy with a, an eye patch and he kicks him in the balls to win the fight. And then at the end of the movie, in the middle of the big chase, he runs improbably. He runs into this guy again. And he's like, they both go, you? And then they stand up to like have another big square off fight. And Damon Wayans kicks him in the balls again and runs away. And I was like, that's actually really well done. I thought that was really funny, <laughs> you know? Like, um, I like those things. I thought those uh- were all good. 
And of course, you know, you wouldn't be a 90s movie if someone didn't get hit or kicked in the balls. Oh my god, of course. And the fact that it's like a runner that he's getting kicked in the balls is like... That's amazing. That's amazing. It's a runner, and in the beginning when he kicks the guy in the balls, the guy is like a huge person in prison, and it's giving the vibe like he's going to sexually assault Damon Wayans. But he says, you know, give me a cigarette. Damon Wayne says, I don't smoke. And then the guy punches him in the face and says, uh, when I ask you for a cigarette, or he says, wrong answer. You're supposed to say, I'll get you one. And Damon Wayne says, okay, okay, I'll get you one. And he kicks him in the balls. <laughs> and the guy goes, ugh, and he punches him in the face. And then the guy goes down on the ground. Damon Wayne says, as soon as you find your fucking balls. Yeah, good. This is your favorite movie. <laughs> this is my favorite movie growing up as a child. So you can imagine. Oh God. It has you been so imagine. interesting, Ricky, doing this show to get a picture of like the canon of the early 90s, according to like childhood Ricky, you know, <laughs> and it gets like goes a long way to explaining things about, you know, about you. <laughs> uh, do you want to know my favorite? I part? would love to, Ricky, please. To be uh, perfectly honest, I'm, I'm choosing this part just because we have not talked about it yet. Uh, I don't know if it's actually my favorite part. But there's a scene where uh, Damon Wayans is really putting the moves on Stacey Dash. He's almost there. They're almost going to make it. And um, the, basically, Stacey da Dash's um, uh, whitest black man boyfriend has embarrassed her in front of Damon Wayans at a restaurant. And it happened because Damon Wayans was doing an behind the guy's back was doing an impression of him for Stacy Dash to see. So two scenes later, Damon Wayans shows up at Stacy Dash's apartment, but you don't know it's Damon Wayans. You hear a knock on the door, and then you hear the 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 whitest black man's voice, which is kind of like this. He talks like this. Can I have a cup of brown sugar? Like kind of thing. Uh, and uh, he's at the door and he's trying to get Stacy Dash to answer the door. He says, I bet if I was the fucking mailboy, you'd open the door. And uh, she's like, then he goes, do you want to hear a, a joke? What did the one inch peanut, what did the man with the one inch penis have for breakfast? And she starts giggling because he usually wouldn't tell a dirty joke, but that's also not true because he, Told a, told a racist joke involving a vasectomy in the previous scene. And she, she looks at the door and he goes, give up. This morning I had eggs and bacon. Get it? Because he's got a one-inch penis. And then she opens the door and he goes, Keith Henning told me that joke. Now, I won. I like the joke. But <laughs> what I'm really focused on... <laughs> Well, First really off, on that great joke. Is, yeah. <laughs> what I really focus on that scene is that when he was doing the impression of her boyfriend when they were at the fancy dinner, he was like multiple tables away. He could do an impression of the guy visually, but there's no way he could hear what the guy was saying at the table. There's right. no way. He was on the other side of the restaurant behind his back. So it makes no sense that he would quote him going, Keith Henning told me that joke. Like, <laughs> did he say that? The only way his character would, the only way his character would know that is because he's Damon Wayans and Damon Wayans wrote the script. <laughs> oh, I love this line when I wrote it. Oh man. Yeah. That's like, that's like the yeah, kind of man, joke they did right. in movies around then where he'd be like, they're like, how'd you know that? And he'd be like, well, I read the script. Like, that's like, that's like an right. Animaniacs joke, you know? And they'd be like, what? That's great. Oh. Um, yeah. Keith Henning told me that joke. Chris, um, you know, this movie came out in the 90s. What uh, is the most 90s thing about this movie? Oh, my God, dude. Where the fuck to start? Where the fuck to start with this movie? I think the place to start is the Wayans Brothers. Oh, my God. This is a Wayans Brothers vehicle. Yeah, I think it's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty up there. Um, it is interesting, too, that it's like. I think one of the most 90s things about this movie is that it is a movie deal given to a sketch TV star for them to do their characters 
and kind of figure out some kind of plot that to make it make sense. I think there was that was a huge genre of 90s comedy movies. I mean, you know, to an absolutely insane degree. And it is interesting to think of them all next to each other as like, which of these work and which of them don't and and to which audiences do they work or not and, and why. And this is like, I mean, you got to say this is one of the bad ones. I mean, you got to say this is one of the bad ones. I mean, it's not like it's Pat, you know, which is. I mean, it's not as bad. Yeah, it's going to say it's not as bad as like it's Pat or like Deuce Bigelow or. No, yeah. Jesus, there's so many. I mean, yeah, this definitely not one of the best, but I wouldn't say it's one of the worst. Okay, let's say it's in the mid tier for sure. Um, yeah. I also love the fucking the song you were singing like over the end credits. Like that's extremely 90s sounding. Like, does it have like like boxing sounds and like sirens going on in the background of that song? It seems like if it doesn't. I mean, the the soundtrack to this movie is pretty awesome. It's Public Enemy. Um, there's that there's that song that I was singing. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to look. I'm looking yeah, they it up play right that now. Public Enemy song for a little bit, and it's Flava Flav talking about like why you shouldn't do cocaine but it has like nothing to do with the scene at all he's just like cocaine don't do it it's really bad take it from me flavor flav that's another thing that like i heard in this movie that i had no idea what it meant and i when i was like a little kid i would walk around being like going like the monkey ain't no joke. <laughs> I would just say it. I would just say it. I had no idea what it meant. I, I can just picture little Ricky. He's like running around the playground, you know, and he's just going like, the monkey ain't no joke. And nobody That's has any it, idea yeah. what you're talking about. They just think you're saying something weird, you know? like. I mean, Jimmy Jam, Big Daddy Kane, Public Enemy. Um... There's a lot of great stuff in no, there. It's great. It's great. I think it's also very you got, 90s. You got Color Me Bad, like Little Richard. That was like the first cassette tape I ever had was Color Me Bad. Um, My sister got um, it for me for my birthday. The first concert I ever went to. Color Me Bad, really? First I, concert I went to was at, Riverside, it was at uh, Riverside Amusement Park. My friend's mother won tickets on the radio. I was oh six God. years old. We went... We watched maybe one song and then we went back on the rides. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sounds like a great so night, wait, man. You've got, you, you've got the Waynes Brothers. Is your is that what you're going with? No, I'm going with actual, this like sketch movie movie? thing that it's like a like okay. a TV sketch movie deal movie. Um, what what do you think the most '90s part of this movie is, Ricky? The violence. Oh yeah, true. Uh, you know, like I don't think, I don't think like buddy comedy or like comedy movies are as, uh, will are as ever as violent as this. Like this is a mainstream movie. Like you could get a comedy movie that is also this violent, but like the violence is also kind of like the 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 point of it. It's supposed to be shocking, whereas in this, it's not supposed to be shocking. It's just supposed to be as real as they could kind of make it at the time. It seems, you know, Well, I mean, it's in um, the vein of, you know, Beverly Hills cop or something like that, where, I mean, it's a comedy yeah, that ends weapon. in a machine gun shootout, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, 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 that's about it. Like they, you just wouldn't get, you wouldn't get it looking as gritty. No, for sure. And supposedly that's why they shot it in Chicago. Cause it looks so gritty. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> really yeah 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 they were like oh this is a perfect chicago um, movie and then they never proceed to mention that it's chicago the whole uh last question is um i mean i think the like uh, often uh the entire episode was was this subject but what do you think we've grown oh, out God, of dude dude i it is funny because like i was thinking of specifically i was trying to answer this question and i was you know this afternoon after i watched it and I was like, oh, I think the way that it's like really mean to all of the characters, like it hates so many of the characters in the movie. And the joke is supposed to be that the viewer also hates the the characters. And I so I thought it was really interesting that you are the one that started talking about how it is mean to some of the other characters and kind of hateful. And I and I really agree with that. I mean, I guess so you do still find that in movies where you have like a, a nerd character or like a racist character, right? These days where you're supposed to hate them. 
I mean, that is just a big part of movie making, but I think there's just something at the core of this movie that is hateful in the way that it treats so many of the characters. And especially like we've been saying, like marginalized people that I, I don't think you see as much anymore, you know? Certainly a big time comedy star isn't going to walk around a bodega going me, me, me and smashing eggs into his forehead. And like, you know, like that's not going to fucking happen. Um, I'm sending, I'm sending you clips from, uh, from the movie that I was just like, Oh, I wonder, are there clips from this movie? Um, that because we're talking about so many of them. If you're editing it, it might be easy to like cut them in. If not, no big deal. Sorry. No, great. Thank you very much, Ricky. I appreciate it. Um, so you're just you're interested in me doing more complex and time consuming editing. Is that is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it just occurred it it just occurred to me, I think because I was looking for like we're we're talking so specifically about his impressions and stuff. But there's one in particular that is oh, I was trying to find the woman um who who um at the job interview she's a, she's a pretty oh, well-known yeah. actress she's very yeah, recognizable. i recognized I her remember. but i didn't know her name yeah her name is um uh her name is jackie hoffman um and uh yeah she's in like garden state a dirty shame Birdman. um She's in a lot of stuff. She's been she's in a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff. It looks like interesting. I mean, one thing we didn't really talk about was like, oh, it, if you read a lot of the contemporary, like the contemporaneous reviews of this movie, a lot of them are like very mm-hmm. critical of the director, Peter McDonald, and it's like a lot of it is kind of like laying it at his feet that the movie isn't isn't done very well. Which I mean, I guess you can. I mean, he is the director of the movie, right? So he directed Rambo 3, and this is only his second, like, full director credit. But he was, like, a second unit director for Labyrinth, Rambo 2, Dragon Slayer, Rambo 3 cannot be Rambo 3 cannot be mentioned without um, referencing the fact that when the movie first came out in theaters... Uh, it was dedicated to the brave fighters of the Mujahideen. <laughs> oh my god! Doesn't isn't that also the um the one of the James Bond movies is dedicated to them as well? The um I think that's still. Are you the fucking movie. serious? Is it really? Yeah, I thought that's yeah. It's um like the one where he it's a P- Timothy Dalton one where he like half the movie is him like living with the Mujahideen and they help him in the big final set piece like destroy the Russian plane or whatever. Uh, you know, they're like riding horses. Timothy Dalton is dressed up like an Afghan, you know? It's like really all weird. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was a big deal, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've grown out of everything that has to do with this movie. <laughs> and most, like, most of it is, like, not in a good way. Yeah, I would say, like, 100% of it, probably. No, wait, not in a good way? You think we shouldn't have outgrown this stuff? No, sorry, in a good way. Okay, yeah, okay, good. I was like, (laughs) more movies should be like more money. Well, I mean, yeah, more movies should be funny. (laughs) More movies, I want to see more movies where the guy, the main guy is just, you know, just doing a funny gay guy voice. Like, I want more, (laughs) I want more movies like that. Where he's just like acting like, like a I, filthy bum. Like, you know how you see filthy bums around? Like, oh, this guy, he's acting like a filthy bum. I mean, that was in Living Color. Did I tell you about how, like, one time I was in a, you know, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen in Living Color in, like, decades. And I was in a hotel room. And it came on. And it was a, um, a music video for Me So Horny, um, sung by Connie Chung. Because she, the news at that time was that she was pregnant with Maury Povich's baby. And so she's Asian. Asian I think, news yeah, And she's Asian, right? Yes, that's the joke. The joke is that she's Asian. Yes. Amazing. And it is crazy to read some of the reviews of stuff like this, too, because they're like trenchant satire that may be a bit ribald for some, but 
I mean, you realize this is like what idiots are talking about when they're like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. Yeah. Like, like that's usually what people are talking like. Well, this is like say it out loud, but that's what they're thinking in their head. Is it like, oh, I can't like do an Asian accent singing a two live crew song. And it's like, yeah. Why do you want to do that? Shut the fuck up. Well, that's like, like, isn't her name Alex Bornstein? That's like Lois Griffin. And is like, you know, hugely wealthy from being Lois Griffin. I mean, her, she was on Mad TV and her character was like Mrs. Kwan, the, the like, you know, the extremely crazy Asian stereotype that this white woman oh, yeah. does, you know, where it's literally just her doing some kind of like in living color level Asian person accent and like wearing a house dress and holding a broom, you know. That was on like this That's it. We do it. Great to talk to you. Okay, so you're editing it then. I mean, I'm actually going away for my 40th birthday this weekend, but I can edit. Oh my god, Chris. Get out of here. You're editing this. You go, you've been going, you go away the weekend of every episode we record.